0: Catura Paraguay is this little village that is built up upon a landfill. And basically, mostly what the people do there is they pick through the landfill, and they find something they can reuse, and they sell it at the market. But one day, a worker in the um, landfill found a violin shell. got more garbage, and he built a violin. And it worked like a violin, it just didn't look like it.
1: The people can't believe it. They have to see it to believe it. Because they don't believe it is trash. I've been to three countries Brazil, Panama, and Colombia. And I never thought I'd leave the country.
0: The Orchestra of Recycled Instruments from Katera got its start here five years ago when a teacher, Fabio Chavez, decided to teach kids living near this garbage dump how to play musical instruments. Lacking money to buy enough instruments, he recruited the help of residents who make a living picking through and recycling trash. Soon, with the community's help, Chavez and his students had their instruments all made from recycled materials from the dump. They include guitars made from cans, cellos from metal drums, and brass instruments like 18 year old Andre Rivera's saxophone made from house gutters. <laughs> The instrument is made of galvanized pipe used in house gutters. Then this
1: is made with caps, coins, and these are keys from doors.
0: That is the landfill harmonic. And you know these violins there that are made out of garbage... You, you look at them and you say, well, you know, they don't really have a lot of value, not compared to this million and a half dollar Stradivarius held by a concert, a violinist there. Is it a violinist or a violinist? Or is it both? Doesn't matter. Anyway, the homemade ones don't seem to have a whole lot of value uh, compared to that, except when you, you look at this young lady named Tanya. She said, my life would be worthless without music. And so thus that homemade from trash violin that she has in her hand is worth, I could say, infinitely more to her than that million and a half dollar Stradivarius is to that concert violinist. And then too, as we saw in that video, people realize that we shouldn't throw away trash carelessly because look at all they can make from it. And he also said, well, we shouldn't throw away people either, which is so true. And when it comes to the value of people, it is so easy, so easy for people to devalue themselves. It's so easy for people to run into situations in our lives where we just don't think we're enough. And certainly a really, really sad case of it that's drawn national attention is Rebecca Sigwig, that young lady who's 14 years old who felt like she had to jump off a cement plant in Lakeland and take her life. Why? Because she was bullied by people at her school. Which, of course, undervalued her in her own eyes. And undervalued her in the lives of others. And what a tragedy that is. Let me say, she's not alone. All of us can experience that to some degree. All of us can say, you know, I just don't have what it takes to deal with this. All of us at times... Go through periods where we feel like, you know, my life just doesn't matter. I've I, I missed the mark somehow. I, I, I'm i not enough. My life's not what I thought it would be or should be. And we all experience that. Maybe for some of us it's when we were younger and we couldn't acquire some skill that we thought we should have or everybody else should have. Perhaps for us, it's just wanting to fit in. And we tried so hard to fit in with others around us. But then... Every now and then, we really don't. And then for some of us, maybe words like maybe useless might go through our minds or ignorant or weak as we think about ourselves. Sometimes we just get a big bowl of self-esteem. Wouldn't that be be great? Maybe sometimes we're made to feel that we're not good enough or talented enough or smart enough. And all of those kinds of things, friends are so very painful and can make us want to scream. But, of course, we know it doesn't do any good to scream outside, so we just scream within. And God knows that about us and He sees that about us. And He sees the tears that that, that might be coming down outside of ourselves and definitely the tears that we, we feel inside. But, you know, God tells us this. In the Old Testament prophet Zephaniah, chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, in the good news, God says this. The Lord your God is with you. His power gives you victory. The Lord takes delight in you. And His love gives you new life. And He sings and is joyful over you. It's true, He does. Think about that. The Creator of all the universe... Everything and and has put it all together and it works in incredible ways, delights in you. And he wants to give you new life. He's joyful over you. But still, we don't always feel that way, do we? I know in my life sometimes I feel undervalued. And I feel like I just, you know, don't have what it takes to deal with certain situations. Sometimes I go through little low periods. And for me, part of the problem is that (laughs) type A personality. And you see the slide there, all the stuff pretty much is me. You know, I have a temperament that's characterized by selfish ambition, aggression. I'm very competitive. And this incredible drive. I can also be very, very impatient at times. I also have a need for control. Now, this next one, focus on quantity over quality is not true. I really like quality. But my need for control wants to cross that out real quick before you really have a chance to see it. And I also have an unrealistic sense of urgency and my need for control needs to put explanation points on the end of that and because of that i don't feel like i measure up lots of time even this morning i wanted to get to church a little sooner than i did but i just couldn't finish up with what god i felt like was giving me for this morning it can happen anytime all the time but zephaniah 317 18 that good news it tells us yeah, the lord delights in me and he wants to give me new life and he is joyful over me. And this is how he does that for me. How he does it for you. He said, the Lord is with you. And his power gives you victory. So, although you may see yourself in not the greatest light, God doesn't see you that way. And yeah, to us it seems important what I think and what somebody else might think about me. But let me tell you what. That's not what's important. What's important is... What God thinks about you. Because God's the one that created you. And he said he's going to be with you and he's going to give you victory in his life. So this morning what I want to do is I want to flesh that out with the scriptures. So that you can see your true worth, how much God really cares and values you through his eyes. So that you can see yourself in that way through your own eyes in a fulfilling kind of a way. And so we're going to look this morning uh, in the book of Judges from the Old Testament. This is uh, chapter 6, verse 2, and this is in the message. And it says, Midian overpowered Israel. The people of Israel made for themselves hideouts in the mountains. Now, I don't know about you, when I feel sort of underwhelmed and, and undervalued and something seems to overpower me, I too just kind of want to shut down. I just too kind of want to hide. That's what the Israelites did. You see, the Midianites were, were fierce, and they had, had overtaken them. And so rather than staying there and continually... You know, being uh, berated by them, besieged by them. They'd say, We're just going to take off. We're just going to go and hide. And that's what they did. So if you had seen a street sign over their hideouts, it would have looked something like this despairing, confused, angry, ashamed, hurting. Because that's, that's what they were feeling. Because Midian had overpowered Israel, they had had some very important things stolen from them. Stolen from them was their livelihood. They had taken their crops, their cattle, their home. Their way of life was taken away from them. Also stolen from them was their dignity. Remember, God says that He delights in us. Well, He delighted in them. He wanted them to have new life. He had a sense of joy about them. And so that dignity that they had in God wasn't there anymore. Midianites had stolen that from them. And not only that, along with their their livelihood, their way of life, their, their God-given dignity, they lost also their hope. Their hope was taken from them. And and here's the thing about this. When it comes to life and you and me, it's the same thing. Life can steal from us our sense of of a way of life. The way we'd like things to be in our life. And things in life can steal from us our God-given dignity. Things in life can steal from us our hope. And so when you're overpowered by life in that way, man, you you just want to pull the covers over your head and hide out. Continuing in Judges 6, 6, and 7 in the Living Bible, we read, So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Yeah, they were starved. They were starved physically because they didn't have a food. Starved because they couldn't even live in their home. Starved because of their dignity was gone. They were starving for hope. They just wanted to hope in something. And so they did what we all do. The Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. We all do that. Lord, help us. And here's how... God responded to them. The Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. And that's what God does for us when we reach out. We don't always realize it. Because as the prophet here was a voice of God, when you cry out, when you're feeling undervalued, when you're not enough, you can't deal with this thing, you may cry out to God, but you may not hear his voice. And there's a reason for that. You just may not be sensitive. Because God speaks to us in all sorts of ways. Let me give you an illustration. When it comes time for me to prepare a sermon for Sunday, sometimes I feel like I'm starved. God, we're doing okay, not great, not terrible, okay. And now I've got to get up and proclaim you to the folks at East point. I don't know that I'm completely fed. Now I've got to feed them. How's this going to work? I don't think i got enough. I don't think I can do this. More often than not, that's kind of the way it starts. And so when it came to this morning's message, what you're hearing right now, This is what God did. This is how he spoke to me. He said, I was looking at some social media. I looked at a a video clip. He said, hey, Bill, you know that landfill harmonic video? That'd be a great way to start this message when undervalued. I'm like, cool. Yeah, thanks, God. That's good. And then after that, he said, you know that uh, chapter in a book you read recently? There's a lot of stuff that really relates to what you're thinking about, and what I want to show you, scriptures and and ways to look at this. I said, hey, great, God. Thank you. And then the transmission on my PT cruiser went out. And I was like, uh, I don't think I'm prepared for this. They're expensive. What's up with this, God? And God said, well, guess what? You feel undervalued in this, don't you? Yes. He said, well, guess what? You're dealing with this. It's going to give you the oomph to feel this message so that you can preach it with an intensity much greater than it would be if everything was going great in your life. Then I realized, too, shortly thereafter, that there's other financial pressures that are completely different from this going on in my life as well. And I'm like, "Oh, really? Thank you. I'm really going to feel this one." But that's God talking. He didn't cause the transmission to break. He didn't cause the other financial things to happen. But He said, "Hey, this is happening. So look at it because I can speak to you in this." And not only that, He woke me up when one of the I wake up all I wake up like five times a night. I roll to this side. I roll to that side. Some of you guys just. Uh. All night long, I'm jealous. But I just wake up a lot. Usually, try not to think about anything, and I'm pretty good at going back to sleep. Well, I woke up one night uh, earlier this week, and this song was in my head. And thankfully, I got to go to sleep quickly. But I'm like, you know, that would work really well with the message. Thank you, God. We to sleep. And so I did. And so you see, God spoke to me in social media. He spoke to me uh, about a chapter of a book. He spoke to me in some tough stuff going on in my life. He spoke to me in a song. And that's the way God does. God speaks to us in our circumstances. But a lot of times we're so focused on the tough things that I'm not enough that we're not able to hear Him in the circumstances. And that's one way that we struggle to hear the voice of God in our lives when we need Him so much. Another way that we don't hear Him is because we're blocked. There's certain things that block us from hearing His voice. Like Judges here, again in the 6th chapter, we're kind of continuing on, verses 12 and 13, this time in the Living Bible. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And this is Gideon, and if you know anything about Gideon, he was the least person in the least tribe of Israel. And here God comes and says, Mighty hero! He's like, right. And you probably feel that way too. When you feel undervalued, you're going through something tough, you just have that general sense that you're not enough. And God wants to come to you and say, Mighty hero! Remember, I delight in you. I want to give you a new life. I have joy over you. And so in that way, yes, guess what? You are a mighty hero. In my eyes, you are. Gideon replied, well, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And here's the first thing that blocks us from hearing God's voice in our life. It's that little three-letter word, W-H-Y. Why? Why, Lord, is this happening this way? Why, Lord, is this going on? Why, 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 why? And if you get stuck there and and, and you let the why question overwhelm you, then you're not going to be able to hear what God has to say to you. Now, in verse 13, look what takes place. But the Lord has abandoned us. That's what Gideon said. But the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. You see, if you get stuck on the why question, it's not too hard to get stuck on the the next extension of that, which is, well, I guess, God, you've abandoned us. You've abandoned me. I mean, I got this going on. You won't tell me why. I don't know why. And and so I guess you're just not there with me anymore for some reason. What have I done? I think even as Christians, we sort of have a Christianized view of karma. You know, karma is, is a prime philosophy of Buddhism. And it says what goes around comes around. And so I think we have a sense that if we're good people and we love the Lord and we do the right things, then good things are going to come around to us, not any bad things. I think there is some truth in that, but not to the degree probably most of us would like to believe. And so why, Lord, I guess you've abandoned us. You've handed us over to the Midianites. We say, well, Lord, you've abandoned us. And so now you've handed me over to this situation and I'm just going to have to flounder in it. I'm just going to have to put up with it. I'm just going to have to deal with it. I'm just going to have to lose in, in this situation. And so as we continue in Judges 6 chapter in this 14th verse, it says, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Great. I'm sitting here. I think I'm, I'm weak. I don't have what it takes. And you're telling me to go? I mean, really? But you see, that's the third thing that blocks us from hearing God's voice. We can be blocked by the why questions. We can be blocked by feeling abandoned by God. But here's the other thing. We can be blocked by the fact that there's no fix or no victory for us before we go. There's no easy fix or easy victory before we go. No complete fix or victory before we go. No pre-fix or pre-victory before we go. So you mean I've just got to still feel this way and go? And God says, yeah. But look, I'm sending you. I'm with you. You're not going by yourself. Kind of like maybe what this guy thought. It Coach, it's too far. Listen to me. Thank God for help you make this game? Do you believe it, David? Yeah, if he wants to. So do I. But you have got to give me your best and the rest of the hell. Will you do that for me? David, whether you make this field goal or not, we're gonna praise him. But don't you walk off this field having done the rest of your best. I want you to Take
1: it down! Take it down! Take- I will listen and believe. I will listen. And-
0: the, Giants, to the state title for the first time in it's it's See, there was no pre-fix or pre-victory before the guy had to actually stand on the field and kick it. It's the same with us. Now, I don't only if you notice that. There's real subtle in there. Uh, but in the video, as they were standing there and he was getting ready to kick, the wind changed direction. It kind of slowly going one way and then the flag turned the other way and started going. And that's when the coach said, kick it now, kick it now. Because God was there to go, we give you just a little extra help. Remember, I'm here with you. So he did and made an impossibly long kick and they won the state title. But the same is true with us. We can be blocked by the why question, feeling abandoned. We can be blocked by the fact that there's no quick fix or quick victory before we we have to go and head in the direction of those things that might make us feel underwhelmed and undervalued. And so in Judges 6, chapter 16, the Lord said to Gideon, I will be with you. I will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. I haven't given you the number yet, but there were more than 100,000 Midianites standing to fight them. And so God says to Gideon, the least in his family and the least tribe of Israel, it could be just like you're fighting one guy. And he had to be going, what are you talking about? And this is what God was talking about. If we look into the New Testament, Ephesians 6.12 in the message, it says, this life is no afternoon athletic contest that we walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a fight to the finish against the devil. Well, you see, that's who we fight against, not flesh and blood, not the issues of this life, but we're fighting against the devil. And that's what God said to Midian. All of those hundred thousand plus men all just got Satan, got devil in there pushing them to to knock you guys out, to kill you, to overrun you. And so that's who you're really fighting for. So don't think about the hundred thousand of them, just think about the one that's behind them, and then think about me, because that's the real battle. It's what we see in First Peter 5, 8 in the NIV. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour him. And you see, one of the ways, one of the prime strategies of Satan to devour us is to devalue us. To devalue what we think about ourselves. To devalue what we think about the situations that come against us, that they're much bigger. And they're, they're way more overpowering of us to them than them to us. And so, as we continue in Judges 6 chapter, verse 23 in the NIV says this, But the Lord said to Gideon, Peace, do not be afraid. You're not going to die. Now, in Gideon's case, he thought, he gets all these people coming, because he literally is going to die. But when God says that to us, do not be afraid, you're not going to die, it means you're not going to die to the things in your life. You know, your life provision, your way of life the things in your life you're not going to die to all that it's not going to all go away so indeed we can be blocked by the why questions the feeling abandoned in fact there's no fixed or victory before you go but what he shows us here is that we can be blocked by looking with fear at things in our lives instead of looking with faith at things in our lives Kind of like this guy here. You know, he's looking at God. It's kind of a weird picture, I know. But now he's kind of looking sideways. I think that's what happens. I think we look with fear and faith at the same time instead of looking with faith. Look at that. You see, there is the word peace over there, isn't there? God, that's the first thing he said, peace. It's hard to see peace when you're looking at the fact that you're am I going to die or you're going to die to some important thing in your life or the way that you'd like your life to be. hard to see peace when you're afraid. But you know, when you stop looking with fear and start looking to God in faith, peace is the result. This book I read recently by Matt Keller, he was talking about his third-grade son, Max. And uh, Max was going to school, and Max was being kind of taunted by some of his classmates. And he was really, obviously, upset. It began to affect him in the way that he began to feel undervalued. He didn't feel good about himself anymore. So his parents became aware of it. They tried several things, didn't seem to help. And they said, well, maybe you need to go to a different school. And of course, his son, Max, in the third grade, was kind of frightened by that as well. You know, going to another school, a whole other situation, is it really going to be any better? And so it was, they had a talk with him, and they said, you know what? If God is in this for you to go to another school, then you're going to experience peace. And so it was a couple weeks later, they had arranged for him to shadow a third grade student at another school, to go to a class and, and see how he liked that. And so as they, they drove up, he was very apprehensive. He didn't really want to get out of the car, and his mom said, let's pray. Here's what we're going to pray. We're going to pray that God will show you peace today if this is the place that He wants you to be. And so they prayed that, and Max got out of the car, and a little kid met him, and they went off together. And when Max came back to the car that afternoon, he said, I got the peace! I got the peace! And he couldn't, couldn't stop talking about the class, what it was like. And the fact that he knew a couple of people from church in the class. And, and he was so excited. And I think that's true for us as well. We need to follow the peace that we feel in our lives. And granted, when you're afraid and when you think you're going to die, you can't look at that. You've got to look at God in faith. And what's going to happen is when you go, even though things aren't fixed or the victory's not won when you start... You've got to understand that along the way with God being right beside you and with you, the peace will come. And that's a great way to guide your life when you feel the peace of God flow with that. But understand, you've got to go first, just a little ways before it will start to come. So don't be blocked by the why question, feeling abandoned, no fix, no victory, looking with fear and not faith. Because that will block you from God's voice in your life and block you from His peace. We see as we continue in Judges six chapter, this time verses 25 and 26, New Living Translation. That night, the Lord told Gideon to hitch his father's best ox to the family altar of Baal. And pull it down. And to cut down the wooden idol of the goddess Asherah that stood nearby. Replace it with an altar for the Lord, your God. And build it here on this hill, laying the stones carefully. You see... His family and the people around there were worshiping other idols. They had altars to other gods. And so God said, the first thing you got to do is you got to cut that stuff down because you're not looking in the right direction. And your family and everybody around you is not looking in the right direction. And what God says to us is, is that we need to pull down, we need to cut down idols in our lives. And, and unfortunately, when you're not feeling good about yourself or you feel undervalued in situations, What happens is you're looking at the wrong things. You may be asking the why questions. You may be saying, God, why didn't you abandon me here? You may be saying, you know, there's no quick fix or quick victory here and you really want me to go? You may be going and looking through the eyes of fear rather than the eyes of faith. And those things can become like an idol in our lives. We can put them on an altar. Let me tell you what, you're not going to Have any more luck with God than they would. And so God says, hey, take those things down. Pull them down. Cut them down. Replace that with me. Realize I'm with you. Realize I delight in you. Realize I want to give you a new life. Realize I'm joyous over you. Replace it with that. Built here on this hill, that was the exact same spot. God said, build an altar to me right on the same spot that these altars were to these uh, false gods. And God says, take that stuff away and in that same place, put that faith and that trust in God. Continuing in verse 34 and 35 in the Living Bible, Then the Spirit of the Lord took possession of Gideon. He blew a ram's horn as a call to arms, and the men of the clan of Ebenezer and came to him also sent messengers throughout Manasseh, Asher, Zebulon, and Nathali, summoning their warriors. And look, all of them responded. So how many is all of them? Well, the Bible says 32,000 warriors now came together with Gideon he wasn't alone and how many they had to fight 135,000 Midianites the scriptures say so the odds are a little better than 4 to 1 for the Midianites at this point but look at this chapter 7 verse 2 of Judges in the message God said to Gideon you have too large an army with you I can't turn Midian over to them like this they'll take all the credit saying I did it all myself and forget about me. You see, we want to do that too, don't we? We have good times in life. Things go well. It's kind of like, yeah. you know what, man? I, I just, I was on top of that one. I, I, uh, you know, planned for it. I, I saw all the contingencies. I just, on my own, just just did it. And we want to do that when things go well in our lives. God says,
1: Mm-mm, that's
0: not the, not the way to go. And he said, you know, if I let you take all 32,000 of Israel's warriors against 135 of those... You guys are going to think that even though it's 4 to 1, hey, we did it. We're really good. So in verses 3 and 4, the 7th chapter in the Living Bible of Judges, therefore tell the people is what God says. Whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go. Now, why did God do that? Because remember, if you are looking through eyes of fear, you're blocking God. And so he said, just send them home. And so 22,000 of them went home leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. But look at this. The Lord said to Gideon, "Uh uh-oh, there are still too many. So what does that mean? Well, in verses 7 and 8, it says, The Lord told Gideon with these 300 men, I will rescue you, and I will give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the other home. And so Gideon collected their provisions, the ram's horns, from the other warriors, and sent them home. But he kept 300 men with him. Let's see, it was four to one in favor of the Midianites. Then it was 13 to one in favor of the Midianites. Now it's 440 to one in favor of the Midianites. But look what happened. In verses 9 and 11, in the seventh chapter of Judges, That night the Lord said, Get up, go down to the Midianite camp, for I have given you victory over them. Listen to what the Midianites are saying and you will be greatly encouraged, and you will be eager then to attack. You see, there's all sorts of things that can block us on the way from hearing God's voices. But here's one of the cool things: you can also be boosted by God's voice along the way, and you can be greatly encouraged along the way. When we we're talking about this week's sermon, and I was like, Ew God, what am I going to do? I don't feel up to this." God said, "Hey, here's a video. Here's a chapter." Here's a broken transmission and some other issues related to finance in your life that aren't going so well. It'll give you the oomph to really feel this message. And here's a song that will fit in really, really well. I was encouraged by that. I was encouraged by that. And that's what God wants us to be. As we go along, he wants us to be encouraged. He wants us to see that he's there with us. Even when we're at the place going, I don't know how it's all going to fit together. I had those four elements, but I didn't know how this was going to fit together. I still had to take the step and begin working on that. And he gave me encouragement along the way as I went. And we see in the 15th and 16th verses of the 7th chapter of Judges, as we continue, when Gideon heard the dream, you see, he went to this Midianite camp, and he was standing outside a tent, and he heard a dream, and he heard its interpretation. And when he did that, he bowed down in worship before the Lord. You see, that's what we have to do when we have those encouragements along the way. It's, thank you, God. This is awesome. I know you're there with me. So continue with me as we walk along. And as I do, I know I'm going to feel more and more peace about this thing, even though it's not settled. And that's the way it works. And so he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, Get up, for the Lord has given you victory over the Midianites. He divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each one a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch in it. So there he has 300 men divided into three groups. In Verses 19 and 20, we read, Gideon and the hundred men with him. They reached the edge of the Midianite camp. And suddenly, they blew the ram's horns and broke their clay jars. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. And they held the blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in their right. And they all shouted, a sword for the Lord and a sword for Gideon. And I love what happens next. In verse 21, in the New Living Translation. Then they just stood and watched. Hmm, okay. And the whole vast enemy army began rushing around in a panic, shouting and running away. Not only were they running away, but as they were running away, they were killing each other. 440 to 1. They didn't have to raise a sword. They just watched. So 300 versus 132,000? No, not really. 300 versus 1. The evil one and you see no matter what you're going through, how you feel about yourself, how you feel about the situation, it's really just you're fighting one. You're fighting the evil one. And we see that in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9, the New Living Translation. This is Paul. He said, I was given a physical condition which had been a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to hurt and to bother me. And you see, whatever the thorn is in your life, it's the same thing. Satan's going to jump right in there and he's going to try to Hurt you with it. He's going to try to bother you with it again and again and again, over and over again. And like me and like Paul, you're probably saying, God, hey, get rid of this thing, okay? Give me a quick fix here. And that doesn't happen. You go, why? Why is this happening to me? Aren't you there anymore? Oh, I'm just so afraid of this thing. This is so painful. You see, all those things are things that block us. Paul asked three times for God to take it away and make him well. Each time God said, no, but I'm with you. And that's all you need. You see, my power shows up. Best in weakness. So in order for me to have God's power and victory in my life, then I have to be weak all the time? Oh, no. That's terrible. I have to walk around like a wimp just waiting for the world to keep knocking me down and keep going, God help. No. Works best in weakness. But the other thing is, is if you will, unlike what God feared about the Israelites versus the Midianites, that if they they won with 32,000 men or 10,000 men that they take credit for, just don't take credit for stuff in your life. Just realize that it's God that's doing the stuff in your life. That's where it is. It's God. And so His power best shows up when you're weakness, when you realize it's about Him and it's not about you. And understand that He's with you. And, and so when you do that, then you can approach God in a different way. In a way in which you kind of see things differently. You see Him differently. Perhaps not unlike what we see in this song.
1: The morning finds me here at heaven's door. A place I've been so many times before. your thoughts and phrases start to flow And carry me to places that I know so well But dare I go where I don't understand And do I dare remember where I am I stand before the great eternal throne The one that God himself Slumbers in my soul Stir the fire inside and make it go I'm trusting in a love that has no the Savior of this world has called me friend and I I've been invited with the sun
0: See, that's what god has for us great expectations doesn't want us to feel undervalued Doesn't want us to feel like that we don't have what it takes to deal with the things of life in fact as we see in romans 15 13 in the niv in may the god of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him it's his goal for your life you to be intimately connected with him understanding that God can take you beyond where you are, beyond even your wildest imagination, as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So listen for his voice when you feel undervalued and overwhelmed. Listen for his voice in things that people say to you, the circumstances that go on around you. And don't let his voice be blocked by the why question and the sense of have you abandoned me god by the desire to have things fixed before you even really have to do anything about them being blocked by looking with fear at things rather than looking at faith because then the god of hope can fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him you'll overflow with hope by the power of the holy spirit with you because he delights in you and he wants to be with you and have joy in you and you have joy in yourself Pray with me. Great God, thank you so much for your word, for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for all those great warriors of faith in the Old Testament and throughout the Bible that show us just how much they really were like us, even though we're here in America and we don't have any of the same stuff going on. But the truth of your word through the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts and our lives. And we feel renewed and invigorated by it. We feel encouraged by it. So take, Father, the seeds of your word. Plant them into the depths of our hearts and our lives this week. And may they, Father, grow. Grow in ways into places that's beyond what we can see and beyond what we could expect now. We thank you for that in Jesus' precious name. Amen.